Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Earl Johnston from Hypatia Industries. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. And I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. And today we have on our show Brandon Kelly, the man, the myth, the legend, the kingpin of CMSs. <laughs> How you doing, Brandon? Doing good. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing awesome. So we're having you on because I, I hear like a little something happened recently, something about like y- you released like a, a minor update or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, just a little thing. Yeah, we released uh, we released Craft three, um, biggest update to Craft since uh, since one Yeah. So for people living under a rock, because we we do have some people that may be listening that may or may not have used Craft CMS before. So first of all, what is Craft CMS? Like if you were out riding a camel with some people and you bumped into someone and they asked you, you know, hey, what is that Craft CMS thing? What would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's it's uh, you know just a content management system that's trying to trying to create a really really nice editing experience for authors uh, and uh, and a flexible content model for developers to to do whatever they want with it uh, without without uh, any friction. So. so, is it like WordPress then? Yeah. Uh, so someone recently, just actually yesterday, uh, mentioned a pretty pretty good analogy uh, as far as. Uh, analogies go um said you know wordpress is is like um like you're trying to build a motorcycle and they give you a car and uh so you have to kind of disassemble it and and recreate it uh with the parts uh whereas craft is you know is just like the parts store and you can build exactly what you need out of it um so yeah and i think that i think that's pretty apt it's you know we're we're trying to be pretty general purpose uh, in terms of what your content looks like and in terms of where the content's supposed to live uh, and be consumed. Uh, and so, you know, we just try and create really flexible tooling uh, for developers to, to really just, you know, envision what they want to create and go and build it. Yeah. And I'll tell you my, so my first experience with anything CMS-ish um, was ModX, right? Mm-hmm. Which happened to be the the CMS that we used at my software company. And then as a a favor for a buddy of mine, I did some work. I'm like, how hard could it be, you know, building some web thing? Um, And I built something in expression engine. And the thing I remember the most is I was just banging my head into the wall, like trying to get it to do what I wanted it to do. Like I knew what I wanted it to do. And I could have just dropped down to PHP or something else and, and done it, but like it wouldn't do what I wanted to do. And then I, I saw this like this craft thing came out, and the the first thing I thought was, oh, that's from the the those plugin developers. Like, what the hell do they know about making a CMS? Right? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then yeah, I revisited it later on, and I was it was like a breath of fresh air because there was actually like this twig template templating language that I could actually like have variables, mm-hmm. which you couldn't even have those in Expression Engine unless you had like a billion e- extensions installed or, or, or whatever. But so uh, enough about that. I do have a question about the uh, Craft CMS version three. Like, why is this an important release? Why? Because uh, so so actually, I wasn't kidding. We we did not know what the hell we were doing when we built that. <laughs> That first version, um, you know, we we had we had lots of experience with plugins. 
uh, and kind of conforming to uh, the coding standards of an existing ecosystem. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it was just that PHP has just evolved so quickly recently or if we just really should have spent more time, you know, getting up to date with with what uh, modern coding standards were at the time. Uh, but but looking back and it's, you know, it's archaic, the types of stuff we were doing back then uh, and the kind of performance, you know, nightmares that we were we were employing. And and uh, basically the first and foremost, uh, you know, goal with Craft 3 was like, let's let's do this right this time. You know, let's let's go through and, and you know, apply modern coding standards and and, uh, you know, take everything that we've learned about what we did right and what we did wrong and just just re, you know, rewrite this whole CMS from the ground up. Uh, with all of that in mind. So maybe maybe you did something kind of like what I do. Like when I'm working on plugins now, I just imagine that Brandon Kelly is sitting over my shoulder and <laughs> judging me and judging yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for me for me it's you. It's you're you're uh, you're the mysterious yeah. Well then I mean is this, is, you're, you're doing it all, it's all wrong. You know, am I am I am I doing this uh, in the most performant way? Because if not the time to first bite's gonna suffer and then you know Andrew Wells is gonna get mad about it. <laughs> yeah and then that, that, that scumbag is gonna yeah. harass me yeah. and yeah, yeah. yada yada. No but I mean I th- I think there is some merit to that. Um you know the idea of thinking about, you know, well, other people are going to look at this code. Is this really like the right or best way to do it? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, so, but Craft 3 uh, CMS in particular, or Craft CMS 3, or however you guys want to want to term it, um, I think is super important because you guys really did. Like you rewrote everything, right? Yeah, we did. I mean, it, it was, it started with uh, the new version of the framework, Yi. Uh, which came out 2.0 a couple years ago, and and uh, they they rewrote their whole thing too, uh, and you know built it all based off of um, you know PSR uh, standards, and and uh, you know really did a great job with it, um, and so that was really inspiring. You know, at first the first couple of months were just like let's try and get the existing code base working on Y2, uh, but after that we had had enough exposure to. Um, to Yi and and you know this this uh, you know the nicer new coding standards and all this stuff and thought you know man let's just let's just go all the way here you know we're we're already breaking every plugin uh, just by moving to E two no matter how much or little we change beyond that so we might as well you know we might as well go all the way yeah and I I totally agree with that philosophy and I will say that as I've spent more time just learning E two because you kind of have to. Yeah. Um, if you're doing plugins, like I, my code gets smaller and smaller because I find pieces of the framework that are already doing what I want, and I might as well just use that. And I, I think the the E guys did an amazing job, but I gotta I gotta say, like, their marketing, man, I, I never knew that E stood for yes, it is. Oh. And, and <laughs> as soon as I found that out. Yeah, no, I know. It was that that was like <laughs> the number one reason why we weren't sure if we should use it or not. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's an oh, amazing terrific. framework, but it's very clear that like the people that are behind the marketing uh are not in the United States, you know, and everything's right. kind of going through this translation barrier. Or or maybe just not marketers, right? I mean, a, yeah. a lot of the, the, the best programmers I know are are terrible marketers because they, they consider the product to be the thing and, you know, everything else is just fluff and not that important. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I necessarily uh, agree with that, but I think that the, obviously the type of person that you want coding something is not the type of person you want selling it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, it's, it's like, uh, it's interesting because, 
you compare it to Laravel, you know, Laravel uh, is an excellent framework for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, but in addition to that, you know, Taylor does have uh, a nice marketing sense, or at least, you know, the people that he's working with do. Uh, you know, I know he does some work with Jack McDade and and various other people in the community that have kind of stepped up and helped out, uh, you know, and, and, and it kind of has this... Um, you know, this uh, propagation effect where like everything in that community seems to be pretty well marketed and pretty well branded. There's a lot of, there's a pretty high, high production value to like basically everything in that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas ye, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not the same. Like, I think, you know, I think we try and do a decent job with craft uh, and that has kind of helped craft's ecosystem. Um, but, but that's, that's definitely kind of a silo compared to the majority of the ye community. And the interesting thing is that Yi is actually a really, really robust framework, but it's kind of like, I mean, you're right that Laravel is kind of, you know, the the sexy girl you want to bring on your arms to the awards show. And, uh, but Yi is, uh, you know, the, the, the woman that you want to end up marrying, you know, to some extent, because it is a, <laughs> it is a, hey, you, you know, you signed up for this, Brandon, when you came on. I mean, come I, on. I, yeah. No comment. I've always, yeah. When, when I explain to clients, because sometimes there's the question of, you know, what is it built on? I say, you know, Ruby on Rails is to Ruby is, you know, Yi is to PHP. You may not have heard of it. It's, you know, it, it works really well. It's, you know, industrial strength. It's not the sexiest framework out there. There are prettier ones, but it works incredibly well. It's so well thought out. Um, and yeah, Craft 3 has really driven that home. Um, yeah, plugin development has become so much better, not having to rely on and as much as I love Plugin Factory, I could never remember, you know, the kind of the camel casing or the syntactic sugar that Craft right. 1 and 2 used. Uh, it's so nice to just be able to have my autocomplete in my editor yeah. work for IntelliSense once. Is, IntelliSense yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And just to make the, make this podcast open and inclusive, let's just let's revise that analogy. And we're going to say that Laravel is the sexy guy that you bring on your arm to the awards show. Right. Person. Let's just and, go person. Let's just be inclusive. That's do right. we do we have oh to God. do we have to equate <laughs> no, HP frameworks to. with with anything sexy? Are you yes. saying that? <laughs> no, but I, I mean the real point that I was trying to make is that um, the the Yi framework is incredibly robust, and I have been surprised at the places where I found out that it has been being used, and it, it's almost more corporate ish as a framework, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's definitely more popular in like enterprise space than, right. um, you know, than uh, some other frameworks. I don't know. I It's also like, it's actually like overall extremely popular, but just not so much in the U.S. So right. I think it's, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to, to you know, culture and uh, and just, yeah, I don't know, marketing, marketing to, to different people. Right. So, so Craft 3 was your chance to kind of go back and redo everything that you didn't like the way that you did it. Yeah. Um, and base it on an entirely new version of, of the Yi framework. Um, and a lot of that, you kind of uh, peeled back some of the layers and are, are falling, you know, kind of falling back more on Yi, right? For some things? We, yeah, so that was another thing that we just, you know, going back, I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, we had this, we had this idea, like we weren't, like for Yi one, and like when we were picking a framework, we, I can't, I can't say, uh, with a straight face that we loved any of the framework options at the time. Um, at least you didn't make your own. No, no, that wasn't that, that did not cross our minds, but, uh, 
you know, we part of in the back of our mind, we were thinking, you know, maybe maybe down the road, maybe for craft two, we're going to want to switch this out. Uh, we had this idea that like we should insulate crafts APIs as much as we could away from the framework um, in a way where like, you know, if if you know, if you were uh, working with craft and writing a plugin, like theoretically, we could just swap out the framework down the road and and mm-hmm. uh, and plugins wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have to be updated for it. Good, good luck uh, with that. <laughs> yeah, so like it it has ended up being this like completely, you know, uh the wrong the wrong direction to take and it ended up, you know, leading us down this path you know with lots of you know abstraction uh tends to come with performance implications and you know um and the also the reality of like we just didn't have the time to document every last little thing, especially when like it was kind of similar to the way you did it. And so we could just kind of point people to the docs and say, you know, start with this and then like read this function and and you'll kind of see how we've modified that. It's just, and you know, it ended up, it was a bad situation. So, um, so with craft three, we're definitely, it's, it's much more down to the metal. Um, you know, if you, if you start with the ye docs, you're going to have a much better sense of, um, what right. development in craft actually looks like because much of it is just straight up ye application development. Um, and I love with, that though. I love that because then I'm not learning something, you know, boutique and custom and no matter how yeah. great of a job you guys do on designing the, uh, the API, it's still something that I'm yeah. never going to use for anything else. Whereas right. now I would feel very comfortable going to write a custom ye app if that was something that was called for which is great. And then you have the community, you have both the craft community and the Yi community to fall back on, which is amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, so rewind in, in time a little bit. Um, how did craft CMS come to be? Because here you are, you know, sitting comfortably, I think at the time you were in California and you were working at, on plugins for uh, expression engine. And I, I think we're also uh, doing client work and stuff at the time. How did the the whole crazy idea of writing your own CMS come up anyway? It was actually, um, I mean, the original idea came from way back in the day. I, I've had this idea of like wanting to write a CMS since before I knew what a CMS was. Um, I was doing some freelance work when I first started getting into web web development, and you know, kind of kind of learned the nuts and bolts of PHP and MySQL uh, just from building. CMS like applications um, that were all you know pretty specific, like uh, like a location editor or a resume editor or uh, you know this uh, this booking application for a skin spa, just like lots of these one off CMS type applications. Um, and I think honestly, this was like this this was in the early two thousands. I don't know, I don't know whether there was. A, a flexible, you know, CMS-like thing on the off the shelf back then. Uh, I don't know where this maps up with things like Expression Engine, um, but uh, but I've been like, you know, ever since then thinking like, man, it'd be cool to like create some tool that was multi-purpose where I could just do all of these sorts of things every time I'm doing a freelance job with this like this tool. I didn't even know what it would would have been called. It wouldn't have been a CMS. I didn't, you know, that's that term hadn't crossed my mind. Um, but you, so you idea, didn't want yeah. to repeat everything you were doing already, right? Yeah, exactly. So for me at the time, it was, you know, just this this general idea. And then I came across Expression Engine, and that's that's when it kind of the light bulb went off. Like, oh, this is actually a thing. 
people already figured out that like there's a lot of common problems and they've they've decided to call the solution a CMS, you know, and that's that's kind of when I got into expression engine plugin development. Um, really liked it because it was you know pretty closely aligned with you know my notes on what what a CMS type thing ought to be. Uh, in that you know you had all these custom fields and and all of the data was mostly kind of defined by the admin. Uh, so that was kind of the original spark was back before I even knew what expression engine was. And uh, what a perfect storm for you, by the way, that you got involved with the expression engine plugin development community at a time that, um, Ellis lab, I mean, I, I don't know what they were doing <laughs> other than off writing Mojo motor or, you know, whatever else they were doing, but it ends up being into podcasts probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it ended up being that like you literally could not make a website without installing a number of Pixel and Tonic plugins. I mean, you could, but it would be horrible, right? So you you kind of had a a perfect storm in a uh, you know your CMS patron kind of dropping the ball, and you picked up all of those little uh, balls and ran with them, right? Yeah, I guess so. Because um, because literally, it was an automatic sale for a number of pixel and tonic plugins when you were designing a, an expression engine site, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm expression engine site. I'm going to buy Playa or I'm going to buy assets, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, it's a given, like they just come yeah. with it. And yeah. I, I, I was talking about this with um, someone who <clears throat> shall remain nameless that <clears throat> I, I didn't, I wasn't sure that there would ever be a pixel and tonic of the craft world because um, craft CMS, the way that it is, is robust enough and the, the front end templating flexible enough that I don't think you're going to have, you know, one company that can have a half a dozen plugins that you're going to buy every time you spin up a new site with it. So that's actually a compliment to you because you've done a really good job with the base. No, I mean, it is because you, the, the base of craft, considering we do have one and it's you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> not. I don't I don't think it's even comparable, though, because there are a number of um, plugins for Expression Engine. And I'm not just talking like one or two. I'm talking literally whenever I made an Expression Engine site, six sales went your way, you know, for the, the stuff that needed to be added to it. And that was just filling in the deficiencies in the CMS. Yeah. Whereas I think that Craft, the way it is now, is pretty well featured that you can pretty much do anything that you want on your own and and getting a plugin really then is, well, do I really want to do all of that work myself? Not, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think craft is like, like the plugin strategy with craft is just different, you know, in, in expression yeah. engine, at least in the early days, it was like, you know, a lot of our stuff, like I, I couldn't tell you how to build an expression engine website without playa because I never did, you know, right. I, I felt that the first expression engine site I ever made, I had to write play it because it just, you know, seemed like an essential feature. Um, I, I heard a rumor. I heard a vicious rumor at one of these conferences that the whole reason craft CMS exists is because of the Canadian government. Can you confirm or deny? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> what? I'm it's, not kidding. There's some truth to it. No, there's some truth to it. Okay. Uh, I, I would have... Um, I got to a point where I was at a, uh, a different company, different agency, uh, and mostly not working with Expression Engine at all anymore. Uh, and um, I ended up getting uh, contracted to write Playa 2.0. And that was, that was um, there was a, a Canadian uh, 
entity involved in that. Um, and if it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for that, then, um, then I probably never would have written play it too. I probably would have just kind of ducked out of the expression engine ecosystem entirely and, and kind of gone a different way. Uh, who knows if I would have, you know, gotten back into anything CMS related. I um, wish I had I... O Canada like on tap because <laughs> I would play it right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, you can go and drive and, and you know salute their flag anytime you want, right? I'm I'm real close. No. I'm, and, and we do go across the border quite a bit. I love it up there. But yeah. so that's really interesting. So you know, in this kind of uh, you know uh, chaos kind of thing, the wings of a butterfly. So it looks like the we kind of might owe Craft CMS to the Canadian government. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm not saying they wrote it, but. Not from an intellectual property standpoint, right? Right. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Actually, that was one of the that was one of the stipulations that kind of got me interested was that um, they, I guess, aren't allowed to own any IP, mm. and so um, you know, basically, the contract was: we pay you, you write these things, you get to own it, My and God. you can do whatever you want with it. I got to so do more work nice. for the Canadian government. Yeah. <laughs> so, you're, so you're saying that Canadians are nice, is what you're saying. They're, yes, yes, they're very nice people. I feel like I feel like I've heard that. Did they apologize yeah. after paying you? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Canada, we love you. <laughs> oh man, um, but so okay, so we're in the we're in the, the the plugin world, and we've got the this awesome Canadian money and all that kind of stuff. But but what made you then say like what made you sit down and say you know what? I'm going to write my own CMS. Like now is the time that I'm going to start this. Yeah. I, uh, so even after getting into expression engine, um, you know, I still had my ideas and there, there was, um, there was an expression engine conference actually in 2010 in San Francisco. And I saw this, uh, this, um, presentation, uh, about, uh, what, what, what uh, editorial design. And, uh, it was by, it was by one of the, one of the Erskine guys at the time and, uh, really awesome presentation kind of showing off some of the work that he and people like uh, him and Jason Santa Maria have been working on in terms of like stretching expression engine to, uh, to be a really good editorial design platform, um, where each, each entry has its own CSS file and its own, you know, custom layout imagery and, and possibly even entirely custom layouts. Uh, and really sparked my interest. So what, what uh, year are we talking about? Just so people can date it. Like what, 2010. What, 2010. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. This was early January, 2010, I think, yeah. uh, February around there. Um, and, uh, so I immediately went to like drawing, um, an expression engine plugin, like, like thinking that basically like what live preview ends up looking like now, mm. um, you know, thinking like, man, this, you know, like I, I remember thinking like, this is such a cool concept, but the workflow just sucks, you know, the, you know, tweak some CSS, save the entry, go to a different tab, check it out in the browser, you know, never knowing whether, you know, what you're saving and pushing to production was going to break the page or not. Um, yeah, it was a know, guaranteed kind of way to get carpal tunnel, you know, constantly yeah. click, 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 reload, click, click. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so, so I, so I immediately kind of started playing around that, um, realized that the way that live preview should be implemented just couldn't be done as a plugin for another CMS. So through that in the, you know, uh, on the back burner. Um, and then separately, um, had a lot of ideas for matrix. We were, you know, matrix was, was definitely my favorite of the expression engine plugins in terms of like, you know, what got the most of my attention and what was the most interesting of a challenge to me. I was one uh, of the six. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and I saw a blog post that kind of likened uh, Matrix Rose to entries, and that kind of sparked uh, my interest as well. That concept of like, what if each of these rows was an entry in quotes? Uh, what if there was, you know, there was more to these things than just emulating this part of entries? But what if they really could be their own entries? And that kind of pushed me down this this idea. You know, in that point, I realized like if I was going to address this this question, this would need to be its own CMS. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of the the technical motivator was like kind of going down this road of like, like what if there was a system where the thing that an entry was inherited a lot of the same things from this like core element that that a matrix row or a matrix block had, uh, and then users and categories and all these other things for that matter. You know, there were plenty of plugins that were trying to make all of these things act more like entries. Uh, now, now I had I heard another vicious rumor at a conference, Brent, <laughs> yep. was that the whole concept of an element type was mm-hmm. Brad Bell had copious <laughs> amounts of alcohol in his system. And he was like, hey, man, what if everything is just the same, man? And it all kind of <laughs> comes from the same thing, you know? Is there any truth to that one? I no, that one I don't think so. <laughs> I can I can attribute like some of the technical limitation of where we are today to Adrian McNeil, if you know who he is. Um he was another prominent expression engine add-on developer, uh did the original Espresso store plugin and stuff mm, like that. Mm. We had like a four hour lunch uh in Napa one day and I was kind of going over all these different like technical problems I was dealing with with the current implementation and he had a few ideas that like made me realize I was going about it all wrong. And so, and th- those end up being the best conversations though, because when someone shows you that your whole approach is wrong, they have just saved you like so much time. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Cause oh, totally. you, I mean, it, well, in the, in the end it was like, uh, now I've got to spend like a month undoing everything we were doing in the beta and, and redo it in a different way. Uh, and write this, like, I think there was like a 2000 line long migration to get all the data up to date. And oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Boy. But that, but that's versus end, years of dealing with something that right. doesn't work right. right. And then you got a monkey patch left and right. So, I mean, I consider that a gain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In the long run. So, I mean, that that's where it ended up coming from. What was the uh, original name for this thing? Has it been craft the entire time? Originally it was going to be blocks. And I, have no like the the original idea I had for a CMS back before I even knew what Expression Engine was was basically something closer to just like just a matrix field. Mm-hmm. Each entry was basically just a matrix field, and you could kind of like create these you know these blocky type things and combine yeah. them together. And yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a Lego metaphor, I guess. Like I wanted the CMS where you know it came with all these components, and you could build anything you wanted in the same way Legos be modular and build anything Andrew, you want. Andrew loves a good Lego metaphor. I do love a good <laughs> Lego metaphor. No, I'm so laughing. There you go. That's 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 where, <laughs> where blocks came from. So originally we called it blocks, and then and then uh, wrote the CMS and realized, hey, wait, we didn't actually implement this uh, this block metaphor the way that we had Im- imagined the cornerstone of it being back in the day. So uh, decided against that name and renamed it to Craft. Right when we released well i'm glad there also a, a naming thing yeah i think feel like there was another blocks that i feel like i remember that from that uh, old listserv the expression engine plugin for managing that came after okay yeah that came after well um, I'm, I'm just glad he didn't take a cue from ye and call it like yy yyc the funny thing about what you're describing the the block kind of metaphor for putting pieces together is that this is exactly what wordpress is doing with their project gutenberg 
Like yes. that is literally what they're doing is exactly what yeah. you're talking about. More or less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's and there's a there's a ton of interesting, you know, like the like the whole blocks concept has definitely evolved beyond matrix. Um and this is kind of an area where like right now I'm like, you know, it's been great. It's been great getting Craft 3 out and I'm definitely happy with all the changes that happened, but at the same time, man, we just spent 3 out, 3 years basically not progressing the content model and just just rewriting all of our own internal stuff and making our own lives better and plugin lives de- plugin developers lives better. Um but we haven't done as much as we'd want in terms of like progressing the content modeling. Uh, and so there definitely is some catch up we have to play uh, going forward in terms of like, you know, taking a look at what Gutenberg's doing and Statomic's doing. And, and uh, you know, they've both introduced some interesting ideas for sure. And, uh, and the competitors are everywhere, you know, sanity.io and all these. Yeah, other I was, I was actually just going to say like sanity is another really interesting one that we're looking at now uh, in terms of, you know, it has, it's kind of moved to this whole particle concept where, you know, every little thing is a particle, uh, you know, headings are a particle, paragraphs are a particle, uh, and it, you know, does wonders for, you know, collaborative editing and, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting take. So, uh, and the particles yeah, we've be got broken some... down into neutrons and protons and Not electrons and <laughs> I mean, characters anyway. I don't know. Quarks. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, so, I think, yeah. of, I think of craft three is kind of like the bedrock. Right. And you're, you, I would imagine you guys are like, yes, now we have this bedrock. Now we can build our awesome stuff on top yes. of it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we've basically now we've got three years of ideas piled up. And, you know, and the other thing too is like, <clears throat> it's, this has all been going into one release. People that have been paying attention to know that, you know, every day there were new things getting added to the beta mm-hmm. and to the release candidates. And, and mm-hmm. the, the yeah, actual, I know that all too well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and yeah, so some sometimes it was a great thing, sometimes it was a pain in the ass. Uh, but internally, we've got this momentum now, you know, that people haven't really seen if they haven't been paying too close of attention just because we haven't been able to create these like marketing efforts around uh, each individual little feature. Um, but we've got this really fun, you know, fast paced momentum going on right now. So uh, we're, you know, we're just going to continue applying that. Like we've already started working on 3.1. We've already got the next you know, get probably the next 10 minor releases, uh, not planned, but we've got enough features anyway that we want to get to that could fill up 10, 10 more releases. And we're, and we're going to get into that. We're going to pump you for information and see what we can get out of you. <laughs> but, um, but before we do that, so, um, so back in October at the first dot all conference, uh, which is for, for people who don't know, uh, dot all is pixel and tonics, essentially their craft conference, right? And the, the first one, was back in October in Seattle. Was it Seattle or Portland? It was Portland. Portland. It was back in, yeah, okay, whatever. All the West Coast cities blend together for me. Here's with Seattle last year, yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah. I'm, you I'm all messed up. I could conference and you can remember where it was. Uh, it's, all, it's, all, it's all beards and... and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just beards all the way down. It's, it's beards and forests and Starbucks. I mean, <laughs> everywhere around. But anyway, you announced uh, back in October of 2017 at that all uh, conference that you were releasing Craft CMS 3 and you were releasing a new software as a service built on that CMS in the plugin store. And you were building a new customer portal in Craft ID and you were releasing Craft Commerce 2 built on top of all of that, that would power um, the software as a service, the plugin store, and would power everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I heard that announcement and I was like, wow. 
<laughs> like that is a lot to take on. So what were you thinking and how did that all, how did that all go? <laughs> you'll you'll notice that the common thread with all of this is going to be we aren't thinking. <laughs> because you that's also didn't, you didn't mention you didn't mention the best part of it which is that i even gave it a release date and and yeah that's oh, right and you gave it a firm release date of april 4th you know and, and again i i just looked at this from the point of view of like any one of these things was a decent amount of work but doing them all at the same time and all in interdependent ways i mean that's rough man that's a lot of work yeah i mean we we are insane for sure. Uh, it was stressful and it was a lot of work. Um, we did our best to, um, to split it up into smaller things. So people weren't, uh, you know, it was definitely April 4th was like the day where most of the things hit, but, um, you know, we launched the, um, the first release candidate, uh, in, uh, what was that? I guess December or January, whatever. Um, and, uh, and that introduced like a early version of the plugin store. And that was kind of our opportunity to start testing all of our composer stuff and like make sure that, you know, the general, you know, backend for for managing uh, plugin releases and getting those updated as the plugins get, got new tags and uh, all the all the, you know, automatic installation and updating and all that kind of stuff kind of yeah, gave us a chance to t- start testing all of that in, you know, in uh the real world right because uh, nothing for, breaks for software months. like people actually using it <laughs> yeah well, sure and like for the next like week and a half we were doing nothing but fixing bug after bug after bug related to that right. and the whole time like instead of being freaked out we were thinking like thank god we're doing this now instead of like on april 4th or after april 4th oh know? dear god <laughs> do you ever look back at like release candidate one and think oh we were so naive calling that a release candidate you know what no because the <laughs> because the because the i mean we were aware that the plugin store related things were going to be buggy. Yep. A lot of those bugs ended up being actually on the server side, not on craft itself. Um, but, but, you know, we said going into it, like this, the release candidate label should basically apply to everything besides the plugin store. Yeah. And, and that pretty much held true. There were not any major bugs after that. Uh, just a lot of little minor things that, that continue on to this day, thankfully, uh, less, less frequently than they were, you know, in the beta period. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like, we, it was very, it was, we definitely meant it. Like, the whole point of doing a release candidate, rather than just throwing the plugin store into a beta release, is we wanted to create a, we, we felt that the, that the rest of the system was really stable at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and it was time to give people a very clear signal that that was the case and that they could start, you know, uh, using it on actual projects, um, you know, with our blessing and, and uh, with the, with the knowledge that we would really be supporting it in the way that we would any other production <clears throat> yeah, production and, release. And that's yeah, totally. what major releases are for, right? I mean, they're basically, yeah. uh, obviously you're putting together a big collection of things, some of which may be breaking changes, but a lot of it is just a big signal to people like, Hey, this is a big new thing that you need to start using, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the really interesting thing about what you did here, is doing all this stuff at once. I mean, first of all, again, hats off to you guys. You pulled it off in amazing fashion. But you also kind of are very, very much eating your own dog food in that you have created a software as a service using your uh, platform for that service. You created a customer portal um, using your your product as a service uh, for that. So I think that probably has given you 
not that you didn't have it to begin with, but it's probably given you a ton of insight into a, the fact that, Hey, this is awesome. Like craft three can really do all this stuff, but then B, this is the kind of thing that customers are going to be trying to build using, uh, using ours tools. Right. Yeah, for sure. In fact, you know, like, so it's, uh, probably not too much of a secret that one of the big things we want to start tackling in, in craft 3.x is, uh, is integrating an actual API into craft, um, for accessing content and things like that, uh, and updating, you know, full, you know, I don't know if we'll go with rest or we'll go probably more likely GraphQL. Well, if you uh, heard the episode, you're supposed to buy out Mark Hewitt <clears throat> for millions of dollars. So he can retire <laughs> to Caribbean Island. Somewhere, you know, he'll be waiting a long time for us to first, uh, <laughs> That much money. I didn't say it was a Sorry, big island. It could be like a little tiny, <laughs> island, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so like it has also given us kind of a chance to start playing with that stuff because right. you know the the plugin store when you buy stuff there, um, you're buying it over an API that we've kind of designed uh, in preparation for starting to think of things more more as APIs. You know, we know that's like a big right. a big direction that that things are going. Absolutely, everything's API based now, and so we need to make sure that we've got some good experience under our belt with like managing an api for warcraft commerce and for all these other things i love the fact that you as a provider of the cms are incredibly vested in having all of this stuff work you know what i mean um because you know there's a company that stops working then then we stop getting sales right Mm -hmm. and and there's a company that shall remain nameless that they put out a cms and they didn't build any websites with it they didn't do anything with it and it stagnated. And I think the fact that you have a product that you are using yourself to do the kind of things that people are doing with it is, I mean, to me, that's incredibly powerful because if the CMS isn't cutting it, it's not going to work for you either. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's not a lie to say that most of the things in craft uh, exist because we needed them. Right. So. Yeah. I was really impressed when I heard that the plugin store itself and the purchasing process was running on craft commerce too. It just, made me feel so good about the future of that to know that, yeah, you were dog fooding it. You were. Yeah. And that yeah, was another that, thing that, yeah, that we actually yeah. got to launch. We launched that two weeks before April 4th. Um, right. Right. There was that big craft ID launch and uh, the website went down for a couple hours before that launched. And that was basically a two hour window where we were migrating all existing purchase data from an old system over to craft three over to commerce Two, uh, all the licensing data, all that kind of stuff. And then basically when we turn it, the lights back on, uh, the old web server was basically just a proxy for the new one. I, I, um, I've got it totally backwards then. I thought that whole period was just your Apple moment where you guys are just like, oh, we're, we're updating <laughs> no. the store and anytime, you guys are just anytime, having beers and stuff. No way. Anytime we take the site down, it's super stressful on our end. We are, <laughs> it's, it's, it, yeah, you're still running web objects. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they are, I think. So, so, Brandon, I mean, this is kind of a, an interesting time for you. I think because you have come full circle as a plugin developer uh, for Expression Engine, and then you created your own full fledged CMS, and now you've created a plugin store where developers can then sell their plugins. I mean, this is this is like uh, kind of like a a crazy circular journey, right? I mean, how and and we're selling plugins in our own plugin store, yeah. I mean, it's just, you got to, I would imagine yeah. there must be some times where you sit and you look back and you're like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Because you are, you have built not just a tool that a lot of people have, are using, but you have built a whole ecosystem that people like you, you know, you eight years ago, past you, would be using this thing, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely exciting. I'll, I'll tell you what, the 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 most uh, excited I've gotten so far in, in a kind of a reflective, like, holy shit, this is awesome state is uh, is when we did our projections for, like, how much we're going to be paying out to plugin developers uh, this month based on the last couple weeks of sales, the first couple weeks of sales. Um, I don't know if you want to, if, if this is uh, off limits or not, but you know, looking at like how much we're going to get to pay you or how much we have paid you and how much we're projecting to pay you, Andrew, in the first I, month. I don't care. Um, you know, like the the fact that like that could potentially be someone's salary, you know, right? Um, is that's the amazing thing for me. It's like this, that's kind of the the moment where it's like, OK, this this is all real. This is this is not just like a theoretical like this is an actual uh, economy now. And, and it's actually going to be you know, supporting people here and there. Well, and, that's what I'm and, saying. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You, like, yeah, you, you used to be that. the guy that your income primarily was derived from this ecosystem, uh, you know, an ecosystem. And now you've yeah. created one that yeah. other people can be then thriving off of. Yeah. And that's, that's the really, you know, like the, the thought like, holy shit, Andrew Welsh could quit his job if he wants and he'd probably be okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know, you know how, how comfortable you'd be, but, but at the very least, New York. You, wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't be on the streets, you know, or at least you wouldn't be on uh, right. the streets in certain areas of well, the country. Of all, I don't know. I, like, I it, really can't quit my job. <laughs> I, I mean, I've already, I've already done that before. And like, I mean, if I quit my, my job, cause my job is just me. Like if I quit my job, mm-hmm. I guess. I guess I just quit life. I guess I'd be well. You could, you could, farm you, could quit. you know, you, you, you know. I, my point is, like, you could do whatever you want. Right. Like, it's kind of a lifestyle you know, this, business. And especially for you, like someone that you know has has invested so much into the community, it's nice to know that there's something going back now. Right. Um, but I, I, know, I, I also the, think that, like, my and, and this is the way that I thought about it because I, I have seen some people are complaining, you know, Oh, all the plugins used to be free, which is not really true. I mean, there have been plugins for sale for craft for a while. There's just been no official source, but people were concerned about the idea of, um, well, you know, all these plugins that used to be free are not going to be free anymore. And they're also going to still exist. Well, and that's the nice thing. Right. Right. I, I think that that's a, a critical, uh, thing to keep in mind is that, you know, you really, you really want these plugins to continue to be updated. Um, and you want to have, you want to give people some kind of skin in the game that they care about making these things better. But I also just kind of look at it at the end of the day when I'm building something, like if I was building a new site for someone, I can build it all from scratch or I can pay, you know, 199 bucks for craft, right? No brainer. Like the, the scaffolding that it gives me, it would take me forever to be able to do that on my own. There's just no point in even thinking about it. And I think about plugins in the same way. Like if it saves you, if your billable rate is, I don't know, hundred bucks an hour, right? If this plugin saves you two hours worth of time, it's justified as long as it's less than $200, right? I mean, I mean, even if, even if it didn't, even if like the time came out a wash, you know, like it's going to save me an hour, it's going to cost me an hour's worth of billable rate. You're still, if you write it, you're the one that has to maintain it, you know? And uh, that's, like, you have to think long-term about this stuff. Like, it's, if there's someone that you're paying and and there's a renewal fee every year and, and, uh, you know, so they're motivated to continue trying to earn those renewal fees and and earn new sales, then they're also going to be maintaining it. They're going to keep, they're going to keep this thing alive in a way that, like, I guarantee you, you've never done for any of your clients that aren't paying you anymore, you know? 
Um, and I, I think a lot of the so, smaller plugins, like I ported, the vast majority of my plugins continue to be free. It's just the ones that I think offer a whole lot of value uh, and or are a whole lot of work to do and maintain. So I think it's awesome that you guys have created kind of a, uh, a micro economy. I mean, that's kind of what you've done, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's, and then the other thing too is, um, you know, we've, we've actually received a few, um, reports from plugin developers that are saying, you know, they're, they're now, they've got plugins in the oven now that they wouldn't have done Absolutely. had the plugin store not existed, you know? And so, and so it's also going to lead to just craft being a generally more interesting, more capable product. Well, I think this really uh, is a case where it kind of, when you build an economy around a product, you really are accelerating the, uh, the growth of it. Uh, because like you said, these plugin developers then have an incentive to do it. And then the agencies and or freelancers that use them can just snap things together and, and produce higher quality work um, quicker. Um, and I think it really is something that uh, if you like, let's say a plugin store never existed. I think that the vast majority of the plugins that would be out there would be plugins that were created incidentally to solve a specific problem for a client. Um Know, because mm-hmm. that's what a lot of the plug, not all of them, but a lot of the plugins for crap. Well, even, even a lot of commercial ones, like that's that's just how, that's just the nature of how these things get yeah, built. Yeah, like Playa from the start. Canadian government, right? I mean, you know, it all kind of flows together in that way. <laughs> but but it, you then go from things that were designed to solve one specific use case to people actually creating products, like broad products that are designed to work in a flexible number of ways. So I, I think that that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, so let's, let's circle back. So why, why is craft CMS three, a significant release for you guys? Cause it, you work for, you worked on this for a long time. Yeah. Over three years. Right. Wow. I've attended like uh, three or four craft three workshops in that time. <laughs> <laughs> no. the funny thing is we, we just, uh, we just came across this blog post that we had released, um, back when we were getting gearing up to release the first dev preview. Yep. Uh, and this was four months into the development. We started at like January 1st, and I think we got the dev preview out in, um, I don't know, April or May. And uh, and we released this blog post four or five months after we started. And, and it starts off with like, this took a lot longer than we expected, <laughs> but we finally released the dev preview for Craft 3. And it's hilarious. It's like, you know, that was like one sixth of the way yeah, into the yeah. actual development before the, the GA would get right, out. Right, uh, right, right. But you know, all for good reasons, all for the right reasons. I, oh yeah, you know, it's it's at the end of the day, we've we've now got a CMS that we think is you know, first of all, much more scalable, mm. uh, much faster, uh, doing things right uh, from an architectural and and you know best practices point of view. Uh, but then also, like it's you know, it provides a a much more flexible, much more capable architecture for building not just plugins but apps. Yes. You know, we like this whole craft ID thing. You know, it's that craft ID is just a feature of this app we call CraftNet. Mm-hmm. Uh, no relation to SkyNet. Like, <laughs> well, that's the inspiration. <laughs> it replaces it replaces another system called Elliot, which was um, you know an ET reference. So we figured we should stick, stick with a movie theme, uh, and and this one does a lot more. So why not SkyNet? I'm glad uh, it was an end of times or something like. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think this one's going to uh, going to become. Uh, any kind of singularity. No, but that's a like huge that. thing that you you mentioned, Brandon, because one of the things I've been kind of mentioning to people is that with uh, with Craft 3, 
yeah, it's a really awesome, capable CMS and you can use it just as that. But it's also kind of like what people have called a, a content management framework. Like if you have a custom app that you want to write, mm-hmm. you can write it essentially in Yee 2 um, and then you can leverage the craft APIs anywhere you want it and away you go, you know? Yeah, exactly. So you use craft for its content modeling features. And, you know, even if you want to develop custom content element types or anything like that, uh, there's all that built in. But then what you do with it, what you build on top of that, I mean, it could be, you know, you could build an entire Yee application that has nothing to do with craft and just happens to tie into some craft features. Or you could build on top of craft features and, and add a bunch of other cool stuff on top of them. Uh, I mean, it's like, that's one of the things where, you know, building, building CraftNet, like we were kind of pleasantly surprised with how well that ended up being as a tool for that. You probably um, were like, oh, where, thank you, past Brandon. You made this really nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause, because coming from, coming from this previous, you know, incarnation called Elliot, you know, we, we did, you know, it was annoying mm-hmm. writing that. Like, cause we, we felt like we should be dog fooding. We felt like this should be written on craft. Um, at the same time, man, we were fighting with it to build, to build it. You know, it was not. It was not a downhill, you know, uh, an easygoing project. Um, and and this time around, it's like it, it feels like this is like a this really is a proper application framework. Uh, and we're not fighting with the system anymore. We're just kind of building what we need and everything's kind of working the way we want it to. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, I think that's the way and we've we've talked about it a few times on this podcast. But I think that. You know, web development has become, quote unquote, real development. And I think there's going to be a schism where, um, you know, designer developers are probably going to gravitate towards things like Webflow or Wix or things that let them snap together sites uh, more easily. But on the other side of things, you need for anything that is a web app or is even remotely complicated, you need something like like Craft CMS 3, where you've got a content management framework. You know, where you can build that app yeah. and where it's, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, custom development, maybe you're using a, a front end framework and the CMS is headless or, you know, any number of other things. But I think it's yeah. a really smart move that you guys have uh, focused a lot on making this something that, you know, hey, you've got this great CMS if you want it. Uh, if you want to just build your own custom app using it, go ahead, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, we, we definitely at the outset, you know, kind of made a decision that the craft was was meant for more interesting, more technical challenges compared to compared to some of its competition. Now, here, now here's um, a tough question, though: has has craft become too hard uh, for a certain segment of the community to use it? It's that's an interesting question. Um, we've gotten some feedback that yeah, you know, the composer is not the not not people's favorite favorite thing in the world. Uh, it's definitely not mine either. Um, <laughs> nor, nor I don't think is any, any package manager. You, you it don't, seems you like, don't curl uh, up in bed and cuddle it seems with like, composer. It seems like, yeah, somewhere, somewhere out there, there's like, there's like the architecture guide for creating a package manager. And the first step is make it. Right. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, but, uh, but you know, it's, you know, it is the, what it is. Like, that's the way everything's going. And, and I think, as you said, like, like the, if you're not capable of evolving as a as a web developer, right. uh, your job is being eroded I right agree. now. You know, by, by by systems that are getting more capable and and frankly, like they're pretty great. Like Soulspace and Wix, like these are actually really nice platforms. If you have simple needs, right. you know, I think you uh, mean even Squarespace. WordPress, even. <laughs> What did I say? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I didn't... <laughs> oh, Mitchell's. Yeah. Mitchell. Mitchell's yeah. just like, what the hell? 
<laughs> I gotta build yeah. a no, Squarespace. Squarespace, Wix, you know, even even things like Medium, you know, where like maybe maybe you don't, you know, Medium has like custom branding right. features now too. Yeah. And you know, it's just like as a web developer, like like I I have plenty of friends that like have asked me for for website advice. And I've I, you know, for any of them, I've never once recommended right. craft. And you know, or anything else in that league. It's just, you know, you can't say that with a straight face when you know that like for a fraction of the cost for zero development right. hours, they could have a, something that suits their needs with one of these off the shelf tools. But, but that's, so I don't that's know what it is though, Brandon. So all of these, what's happened is a lot of these tools like Webflow is pretty amazing. And yeah. like you said, Medium awesome. and, and all of these things. But what's happened is mm-hmm. like a ton of development work. So like, you know, hard development work has gone into building these sites and making them something that, you know, a uh, designer developer can easily use to piece something together. So then there perfectly, you see the schism in the industry between the skill set required to create Webflow, which is, you know, web developers are working on that versus the skill set it takes to use Webflow to produce web pages, right? And that's really kind of what the schism in the development community is, I think, you know? That that uh, yeah. well, what I mean is the type of skills that it takes for you to build something like Webflow. There's a ton of web developers that are working on that. You know, they're using front end frameworks. They're building, uh, you know, everything on the back end. So there is web development work there, but it's real serious nuts and bolts development work that are then creating these uh, really nice services that designer developers can then build on. Um, and so then your choice with something like Craft is well. Are we going to build a service that lets people throw websites together or are we going to build a tool that people can do this kind of serious development to make some pretty amazing stuff with, you know? Yeah, it sort of, it sort of changes the original question that you asked is to not just is craft too hard, but does that matter? Craft three. Cra- well, yeah, cra- yeah, craft three. Yeah. <laughs> is craft three too hard uh, and does does that matter? Uh, you know, yeah. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think it does. Like you said, it's it's geared towards, Yeah. Or maybe it's yeah, it's geared toward it's geared toward people that are are you know want want more out of the system, right. uh, for sure. I you know I mean um, let me let me say like we definitely want to like find pain points. We're always looking for pain points, and we want to make those easier. There's no reason craft should be intentionally difficult to right. use. Um, Composer sucks in its own ways uh, that that like annoy anyone, you know, no matter. <laughs> No matter no matter how skilled you are, and like those are things that we should fix, or we should you know find find ways to contribute to Composer and fix them there, or you know whatever it is, whatever the answer is. But um, so so we're not we're not intentionally trying to make craft harder. Um, I would say, you know, beyond Composer itself, I don't think that craft has gotten more complicated. There's like a little bit of the who moved my cheese, right? you know, uh, thing going on where just things are different. We've done our best to kind of, to kind of, you know, keep old functionality working and just, you know, throw deprecation errors if we can, uh, where we can. Um, and so hopefully that kind of holds people's hands through that transition a little bit. Um, and, and maybe- but at the same time, like, like when we're, when we're thinking of like new features, like we're not thinking, you know, how can we make this dumber? Right. You know, how can we, how can we make the existing features dumber? Uh, we're thinking like, how can we make it the system more capable? How can we make more interesting things easier to do than they are right yeah, now? Yeah, and maybe this is an opportunity for a craft partner or someone who, you know, that WordPress.com has got a feature where you can just go in there and click a button and point your DNS at it and you've got a website 
maybe it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for a, a partner to do that with craft where you just, you know, you click a button, it spins up a VPS. Here's your instance. Everything's yeah. all prefab and set up, you know, away you go. Yeah. yeah. I could see. So I'll, I will say like, there's like, that's, yeah. I mean, we're, we're thinking of things like that as well. I don't think that we would want to do that with a partner per se. I think that's one of those things where if we did that, that would drastically change the target for craft or it would include a whole new segment of people that we currently don't really well, I mean, go they after. could do it. Um, you know, if some partner yeah, wanted to do yeah. that, you know, maybe they could do it and, and spin it up or, or, you know, maybe some of these pain points now that you've got the foundation of craft three laid out, maybe some of the things that are difficult for people to do, like, um, you know, content syncing and all that kind of fun stuff uh, are things that you guys can then address. Yeah. So like, as far as that goes, I mean, we do, um, like I mentioned the API stuff, like we definitely want to give craft more an API. And then one thing we're kind of considering is like, we've been, we've been kind of looking into this whole server serverless thing, you know, like yeah, well that was, uh, that's, that's the uh, logical conclusion right. of all this stuff is a bunker <laughs> or something. But, uh, but yeah, like that's, there's some really cool stuff going on there with like Netlify mm-hmm. CMS and all those things. Mm-hmm. So we've been kind of thinking like, like how cool would it be if we did have, you know, some kind of service where you could spin up craft, uh, but you don't have access to templates or anything. Like all you do is define your API, mm-hmm. you know, using a GraphQL, uh, you know, yes. designer or whatever it is, um, you know, and then, and then all we're doing is giving you this, this endpoint, you know, kind of like, kind of like contentful, but, but with crafts, you know, full blown content modeling support. And if it, if it spits out kind of static HTML, like that would be amazing. <laughs> you know, because then you can distribute it. On a, Who wants HTML anymore? Well, wh- whatever it ends up being, it, it can spit it out and it can be stuck on a CDN and you can just load it from anywhere, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea is it just like it provide these APIs and then you could you could go in and create something on Netfly, Netlify or GitHub pages or whatever you want. And just, you know, no, no PHP server required anymore. You know, you just here's some here's some Axios commands that you can plug right. in or whatever it is. You know? So, I mean, this is a perfect transition. Um, someone from the craft slack, uh, named the sky floor came out with a blog where he, Fred Carlson, what's that? Or no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm just thinking. Oh, okay. No, so he came out with a blog where he's listing all of the things that are kind of on the, the craft roadmap, um, for things that you guys are working on. Do you have any, are there any uh, big features that you feel comfortable talking about that you're excited about to, to get implemented now that you have this awesome uh, kind of uh, backbone yeah. in place? Yeah, I mean, mainly, like, we're just so antsy to start doing right. new features. It doesn't matter what it is. Like, we could, you know, build a, it doesn't matter. We could build a, a MySQL client in Craft, and it'd be fun right now, you know, like, as long as it's something new. No, we, I mean, yeah, we have a huge, basically, like, anytime. Uh, you know, someone suggests a feature. If we if we think, yeah, this really does feel like something cool uh, that w- that would make sense, then we're then we're you know we try and add it to an internal list somewhere. Uh, more recently, we've gone through and kind of looked at all the things that we want to do and thought like, which of these things could we potentially get done in Craft Three without you know waiting on some new architectural change mm. uh, that would require a breaking you know Craft Four release. Uh, and anything that, that could potentially fit that, we've put it into this 3.1 project on GitHub, uh, or I'm sorry, 3.x project on GitHub. Um, 
that doesn't mean that all of those things will make it into 3.x. Um, some of them, you know, once we get into it, might realize like, oh, this really does require a change that would be more of a craft four type thing. Um, and in that case, we'll have to put it back on the shelf for a little bit. I don't know. I'm um, looking at this blog but, post and I see a to-do list for 3.1. These are all going to be done in the 3.1 release, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> There's no public to-do list for 3.1. Uh, I, I mean, I like, this looks like, binding to me. Like the yeah. 3.1. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, <laughs> I, you know, it, it's all theoretical at this point, but like the 3.1 release is going, it, the focus is going to be on collaboration and, and uh, you know, making it easier to work on craft with right. a team. Um, and even there, like that's, that's a broad topic. So there's, there's only certain aspects of it that we'll be able to get to in this first release. The big thing is going to be just, you know, improving content migrations, um, which was kind of like our, you know, like content migrations as it is in craft three literally took like two minutes to implement. Um, we were already refactoring how migrations worked and in the, you know, while we were at it, we went ahead and like added a couple lines of code to support this concept of content mm-hmm. migrations. Um, but we're really going to build building on that in craft 3.1. Um, you know, we want to get, sorry to for it. anyone who doesn't know content migrations is basically solving of the pro the problem of, you know, you edit something in one place, maybe you add some fields in local dev. How do you then sync that up with staging and production? Right. It, yeah, exactly. It's if you're familiar with any sort of application framework that has migrations, it's that. Um, it was actually a bad name looking back, and we're probably going to rename it to just project migrations. Um, but it's basically a migration track, an application migration track for your project, as opposed to like the craft CMS itself or plugin specific migration tracks. Um, but the point of them is you know, twofold. First of all, so that, so that craft works better as an application framework, so that if you're building an application where, you know, you need to manage your own schema and all that kind of stuff that's very project specific, you can start creating those tables, modifying those tables, whatever it is, you can do those in migration files that aren't tied to a plugin that are just tied to the project mm-hmm. as a whole. Uh, but then secondly, you know, we're looking at this as potentially a vehicle for, uh, for more interesting, you know, uh, collaboration type stuff. Like, let's say that you have a section called news and, or let's say you have a section called blog, I mean, uh, and you want to rename it to news and you also want to rename the handle. Um, you know, we, like, if you want to do that, you need a way to do that, you know, where it's communicating that change to everyone else that's using the same right. system. Uh, and, and it's not, it's not as easy as just changing a value in some, you know, static config file people have recommended that before uh the problem there is like how do you how do you tell the other the other systems without just requiring everyone to import a new database how do you tell all these other environments you know that oh this section that was called blog is now called news you know you you really need that migration file that that kind of sets this point in time where it's like okay before this it was called news now it's called blog or i'm sorry something kind of analogous to how git works in terms of there being um, a, a way to to mark these things and to merge changes together and and keep track of all this stuff, right? I mean, con- concept. Yeah, I mean, conceptually. Well, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying conceptually, you need something like that. You know, some kind of distributed way where various pieces can be modified, and there's some kind of a history that you can backtrack and then kind of put everything all back together, right? Yeah, and I, and so like in our case, it's going to be a combination of, you know, we want to move everything to a config file. We want to have like all sections, all all structured, you know, 
settings type stuff defined in a static config file, like a YAML file or a JSON file or something. Uh, and that would just get committed to get right alongside any other changes that are going on. Uh, and then when something changes in there that would actually have database implications, like a section's handle was renamed, uh, in that case, it's just a matter of like also adding a content migration or project migration if we rename it. Um, that kind of communicates that name change to you everything You weren't kidding else. about the whole yeah, database little... list, though. Sorry, go ahead, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say... So, <laughs> yeah, we still exist. But... <laughs> yeah, we've talked a little bit about that, uh, similar to what Advanced Custom Fields does in WordPress. Every time you create a new thing, whether it be a field grouping, an individual field, it creates a, a, a hash JSON blob, and that hash is kind of, a, you know, it's unique ID for the life of whatever it's called, whatever its handle is, etc., and uh, and then as it moves upstream from your local up to staging or maybe back down, you know, in the in the GUI you go. If the and click hash and changes, then it knows to knows to update the other environment kind of thing. Yeah, but even then, you you click on something that says sync, like bring me up to date with whatever's latest in those migrations. Right. Uh, it's yeah, pretty right. nifty. Yeah, yeah. Every time I hear about stuff like this in WordPress, I just think of like some of the towers that my kids build, where they just. <laughs> You know, like they, they build this really cool thing and they but they stack all sorts of stuff on top of it and then it just falls over. <laughs> it does make me sad that underneath all this cool ACF stuff, it's all post meta. Right. Like there's no nice architecture there at a table level. Um and yeah, it's a little scary. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So so yeah. Brandon, that's that's that got you know, craft three is out. And I know a lot of people that aren't necessarily software developers are like, oh, you know, you just released a major new version. You must be out celebrating. But from someone who's been there, like typically post-release, like the actual release is the calm before the storm, right? Because the, the release is it's in people's hands. People are having issues with it. There are things that you didn't foresee that aren't, you know, now that monkeys are actually banging on the typewriter, things don't work the way you thought they would. Um, what's it like? What it, give, give us a vignette into the Pixel and Tonic offices, you know, post-release. Uh, yeah, it was, so I will say, I think it was more crazy leading up to the fourth in our case. Um, there were just so many things that came together at the last minute. We actually had the team in town. We flew everyone in, um, for two weeks leading Mm -hmm. up to the launch and there, the task list going into that was gigantic. (laughs) There was, there was just so many things that like, you know, like we had kind of been pushing off because we, you know, we thought it would be better to do in person or whatever it was when they looked at uh, it. Were there any tears? <laughs> no, no. Okay. we held our wits, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really nuts. We were all burning the candle at both ends. It was, you know, a lot of alcohol was consumed for sure. Um, a lot of coffee as well. Uh, but, but then, yeah. And then the fourth was, was crazy. Um, we kind of kicked our, last critical bug, uh, fix out, um, around five fifty-five PM. And then at six, we had a bar that we had reserved for the night that nice. we went over to and, you know, spent, spent like four or five hours there. Um, you hopefully and then at everyone's I, phone that's and what I was didn't say. let them look at yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Friday, you know, pretty casual. Uh, there were a few things that came up, but but still, you know, not, not as bad as the days before. And we actually spent the second half of Friday doing, you know, talking about the future and, you know, doing, doing various internal team type stuff. Trust fall. Uh, and then everyone flew home on Saturday. No, yeah, no trust falls. Um, we don't trust each other that much. 
<laughs> but yeah, and then and then it was uh, it was definitely crazy. It's been it's like it started picking up the next week. Uh, I would say at this point things have mostly settled down. We're we're pretty much back to a normal support cycle at this point. So it actually ended up being a lot better than we expected. Um, you know, we we were kind of getting getting ourselves. Uh, you know, nerved up and and thinking like this is gonna we're not gonna be able to handle this. Should we introduce some kind of like, you know, urgent urgent support ticket concept ahead of time just so that people have a way to get to us if we just can't get to them within two days or whatever? You know, we we started kind of over engineering this like like just planning for a gigantic support wave and then and then it turns out that you know thankfully because the CMS has right. been out for so long and the release candidate's been out for a couple months and and so many people have actually been using it. Um, really the only thing we've been dealing with that's like new, uh, since the launch is like, you know, composer, composer issues for people right. that don't like composer, um, and, and had been, had been holding off on craft three until they had a way to download. What, what I some, sometimes wow. have run into is people abusing something that I've written in a way that I'd never expected them to use it. And I'm like, Hmm, I never expected that anyone would do that. <laughs> you know, like I didn't even think of that. Um, but it sounds like, I mean, craft has been pretty well battle tested, uh, to some extent with people yeah. using it in various, uh, you know, whether it's the betas or the, the release candidates or, or what have you. Um, but I, and this is just my speculation. I have no way of justifying this, but maybe, you know, the answer to this. Um, but it seems to me that the people that are using craft three now, um, you'll have some people that have been kicking the tires, um, but it's mostly been kind of the people who don't mind leave it, living on the bleeding edge who are probably a little bit more tolerant of, you know, things not working as expected and are very comfortable submitting issues on GitHub and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of expect the community as a whole uh, or agencies as a whole to pick mm -hmm. Craft 3 up a little bit slower. Does that kind of reflect what you're seeing or, or how is that working out? Not, not really. I mean, it's, it seems like ever since we've launched, you know, people are just assuming this is the new thing they should use. Um, so we've, we, you know, the only time we've seen new projects working on craft two at this point is for, you know, because they have some plugin, they still need, you know, or, or, uh, you know, mostly it's mostly craft two at this point is support is, is all maintenance and new things are all happening on craft three. So it's actually been pretty, pretty amazing. But uh, I think there's going to be, yeah, it's really ahead. impressive. Yeah. To, I was going to say, just to see how many of the large plugins, you know, people really got behind them and made the push over to Craft 3. It was a totally. complete rewrite. It's so amazing that, um, yeah, sometimes there are little ones that you may have to work around. but um, And some sites, I'm sure, will just live out their days as Craft 2 sites. But um, it's really not that hard to get started on Craft 3 with a lot of the plugins that you kind of know and love from the past have, have already and, made it over. Yeah, we... We were very pleasantly surprised with how how much the plugin community it's embraced. Almost like there was a factory that was churning them out. Come on, I got it's the no, obvious. No, 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 obviously, that's it's, fine. No, it's 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 a good point. No, plugin factories played a huge role in this. It's been you know the fact that the fact that there's all this scaffolding and the comments are in there and people kind of I know a lot of people have like that's how they've started familiarizing themselves and porting things is that they'll create okay let's create the scaffolding and plugin factory.io with like the same features my plugin currently has and then look at the comments and see what what i'm supposed to do to port well, this I, stuff over so i, I mostly helped. just said it because i can't resist a dumb joke yeah but no but it is it is worth bringing up because that's that's like 
that's been an integral part of like getting everyone on board. Um, but yeah, we've just been super stoked. Like we, we weren't really sure, you know, we, we helped, we decided early on when we realized how big of a change craft three was going to be for all plugins. Uh, we, we made a decision early on like that. That's a good enough reason for holding off on doing a plugin store until craft three comes out, because that would make a really good incentive for people to, to, uh, port their thing uh would be you know hey hey port it and, and you know port it in time for the craft relaunch and you'll be you'll be in the plugin store on on the on day one you know right and, and to patrick's um, point like any plugin that didn't end up getting ported i think a lot of them probably will uh be ported a, a ton of them already have but yeah. that we're, we're working with plugin developers yeah, every day but, on but there's also the incentive great. as brandon was saying that now that there's a plugin store someone can take up that slice of the market. Like if there's someone that is importing something, you know, you can get in there and you can fill it up and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be even something that you're necessarily going to sell. Just the fact that there is now a centralized place where all of these things are, I think it's fantastic. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really huge. Well, Jonathan, you've been kind of quiet over there. You, you getting any sleep from uh, your, your baby or what's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I can, when I can. You got any um, questions so for Brandon? Com- the topic of commerce came up earlier, so I thought this was interesting because we haven't really seen Pixel and Tonic go out and acquire um, a, pl- a lot of plugins that started with a third party and, and sort of bring that into the fold um, as a first party plugin. What about commerce mm-hmm. made you guys decide? You know, we, we have to own this. Um. We felt pretty strongly that it was important that there was a a strong e-commerce offering in the craft e- ecosystem, uh, and we had seen from Expression Engine, you know, numerous e-commerce platforms Please come and go. Uh, just because <laughs> I'm li- I'm gonna have a conniption. Oh God, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like uh, you're the one that just. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, it's you know we, we knew like it's 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 a really hard hard challenge uh because like there's no two e-commerce sites that are the same you know and and there's so many more opportunities for them to vary than than some you know sites that are just regular craft sites uh there's so many more you know crazy you know business logic rules and and uh integration needs that are going on you know because you've got other you've you've e-commerce is the e-commerce site is just kind of this central hub for all of these these business operations and that's where companies are willing Uh, to spend money right i mean they're willing to spend significant amounts of money around something that generates revenue for them you know yeah yeah for sure i mean that's 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 their bread and butter right there so so we just you know we felt like if if there was going to be a strong e-commerce thing uh in craft and it wasn't just going to be some integration with with snipcart or shopify or whatever that we pretty much had to own it um you know, otherwise it just like, even if, even if there was a notable, you know, plugin developer, like even if Andrew Welsh comes out with his own e-commerce thing, you know, and like, and at the time, you know, Sprout, Sprout commerce was a thing that was announced and people were using oh, it in man. like an alpha <laughs> private alpha situation. Uh, but, but, you know, even, even if you had the the strongest name behind it, if it wasn't first party, like I, we just felt like, you know, it wasn't going to establish a strong enough reputation um and the, you know just people were people had been burned too many times by other third party type oh gosh, yeah. e-commerce offers yeah thought it was important to own one uh we also didn't <laughs> want to write one so that kind of put us in a wait so since you mentioned that yeah. second where, i assume that that's the primary reason 
<laughs> yeah, slipped it in at the yeah. end. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't love Luke? Who doesn't love Luke? Oh, he's he turned out to be this like unicorn of a hire. Like he's <laughs> he's hilarious. He's such a nice guy. He's so helpful. Yeah. And he does and he does really like take the time. Anytime someone's running into an issue or has needs more out of commerce than than it currently offers, he does take the time to really like think through the problem and and come up with like what's the right solution for this and what's the best you know, short-term solution for the customer, but what's the better long-term solution? Yeah. And he's exactly what we want, you know, yeah. out of a, you know, good, good lead developer. So he's, he's been awesome. Yeah. Speaking of that, where are you on headcount now? How many, how many folks are at Pixel and Tonic? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at 10 people right now. Got it. Yeah. So, nice even number. So we'll probably just stay here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And one other question, just as, you know, Pixel and Tonic is still the company behind Craft CMS. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that being that for the foreseeable future? And, and pixelandtonic.com, is that website ever going to be updated? <laughs> Pixel and Tonic says it's categorically <laughs> allowed. It's, it's Craft 2 just came out. Say Craft 2. <laughs> <laughs> it officially became outdated. It officially became outdated on April 4th. <laughs> you never actually said Craft 2.0. It just said Craft 2. Um, and category local awesome doesn't necessarily mean categories. I don't know. <laughs> right, it's, right. So, yeah. Um, we're definitely keeping the brand. Uh, we're using it, you know, like it's it's who we're attributing CraftCMS to in the footer. And all of our first-party plugins are, you know, attributed to Pixel and Tonic in the plugin store. It's definitely important for us to keep the brand because it would be awkward to, you know, buy, buy, craft, CM, buy craft Commerce from CraftCMS. I don't know. Like, that just seems weird. Yeah, I've always um, just thought about 37 Signals eventually just becoming Basecamp, and that, that's just my you know they're not, feeling. They're, yeah. not selling, they're not selling a bunch of plugins for Basecamp, you know? True, true. And they're not, yeah, they don't have, like, like for us, like, Craft Commerce really is, like, on, you know, it might be a plugin for Craft, but at the same time, like, development-wise, it is its own standalone product, you know, in terms of how we think about it and how we plan for it. Um, so... So it would be weird, I, I think. I think it makes more sense. Yeah, and it's from, very, very know, common to have a, a parent business that owns a brand. You know, the, the yeah, Alphabet company sure. owns yeah. Google. You know, so what? Yeah. 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 Those kids can. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, we definitely do need to update the website. We've started playing around with that uh ideas for that. But, uh, we, you know, it's probably just going to be like a one pager. I don't know if you remember. Back when GitHub was young, uh, there was like a thing in the footer you could click on that would take you to like their parent mm-hmm. company's page. And all it was was like a photo from Star Trek with like the creators of GitHub's faces uh, maybe cropped Wix. into maybe the pictures instead of Kurt. Awesome. What was that? You do a Wix site maybe. For- <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. Uh, some, that actually would be a great maybe. troll, though, Brandon, if, cool. you're, if that company said <laughs> that it was running WordPress. <laughs> Yeah, well, so that was so, so, and I guess I'll say it now because the time has passed, but we had a plan for, or I had a plan for an April Fool's joke. Um, I hate April Fool's jokes, which is partly why we released Craft 2 on April Fool's. Um, But, uh, but I was thinking this year, if we had the time, I would update whatever the, uh, whatever the response headers are on craftcms.com to make things like Wappalizer think it was right. Dear God. (laughs) (laughs) But then, like, in the thick of it, like, the idea of taking five minutes to do that was just way too much time. So, (laughs) Is there anybody else? Uh, Brandon, first of all, thank you for coming on. And it's been been fantastic uh, talking with you. And you opened up uh, with a bunch of stuff about, uh, you know, the kind of the inner workings of Pixel and Tonic. And I think that was probably something that is going to interest a whole lot of people that are listening. But 
you know, more importantly, we got to hear kind of your insight on Craft 3 um, and why it's such an important release and uh, some of the really awesome stuff that you have in store in the future. So I hope we can uh, have you on again. But uh, that, yeah, that, yeah, that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. It helps. You know, people search the reviews. They sort them by stars and all that stuff. Only seven, seven. so oh, far. We're going we're gonna to sh- review shame people. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Or we're just going to really, we're going to talk really highly oh, oh. about the people who do give us a review. You've got you've to suggest this at the intro because no one's going to listen Brandon, for they're hanging minutes. On, uh, Brandon, they're hanging ripping. on every word that you're saying. What are you talking about? Come on. Um, You can also follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Earl Johnston. I'm Patrick Harrington. And I'm Jonathan Melville. And a special thanks to Pixel and Tonics, Kingpin, Brandon Kelly. Thank you, Brandon, for coming on. Thanks, man. Pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. 